The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Okay. Hi, everyone. So I have another guest here today. And Dr. Whitlock, could you just introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about your background? Sure. So my name is Dave Whitlock. Uh, I've been in practice since 2007. So that puts me at just over 16 years. Um, I've practiced, well, I went to dental school in Virginia. So I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. And then from there, I've practiced in Phoenix, Dallas, Fort Collins, Colorado, a little bit in Raleigh, North Carolina, before settling here in Eastern Kentucky. I've been here for the last four and a half years. Wow. So you've really seen it all. So you can give us some perspective on different places. Yeah. Different places to live, different places. (laughs) to work. Can you walk us through your timeline a little bit? How did you end up from Virginia to Phoenix and then every place to get end up in Kentucky? So my, I grew up in Southern California originally. Um, My family moved to the Phoenix area when I was a senior in high school. So I finished high school there. I went to Arizona State University uh, for undergrad. My wife grew up in Tempe, Arizona. So she's uh, from that area. So we met, got married in 2001 and then went to dental school, like I said, out in Virginia. We always had the plans to go back to Phoenix, so that's what we did uh, right out of school. I practiced there for just about four years before that market became too saturated for my liking. I had taken the Western Regional Board, so I was limited as where I could practice because I was still within my five-year time period. So uh, Texas was one of the states that took that. I had a buddy who was practicing there, so I went out to Texas and practiced for a year. Kind of found the same issues that I was running into in Phoenix, lots of dentists, lots of competition. Um, I then from there went and worked for a dental franchise up in Northern Colorado called uh, Comfort Dental, if you're familiar with it. Um, I practiced there for seven years um, in that model. And then when my wife and I decided that we wanted to see a little bit of a change, I told her, you know, we're going to go to a rural community at this point out. You know, I've seen a lot of big city dentistry. I've seen a lot of you know, competition, a lot of practitioners practicing on top of each other. And I said, you know, if we're going to leave, I don't really want to do this anymore this way. Um, so from there, you know, I was originally looking in North Carolina, looking for some small towns in and around the Raleigh area. I had moved out there and started practicing with a group out there while I was looking for a practice to buy um, and had kind of the same difficulties finding a practice that I liked. So I kind of expanded my search to Oh, gosh, I feel like I looked in every state, but, you know, mostly in this kind of southeastern part of the country, that's where we wanted to be and came across a smaller town here in uh, Kentucky called Ashland, Kentucky. Um, So I'm right in the corner of where West Virginia, Ohio and Kentucky meet Um, and, you know, came and looked at a practice that was for sale here and looked at the town and realized that this is kind of what I was looking for. So I pulled the trigger on it and moved my family here four years ago, four and a half years ago, excuse me. And how was, I guess you, wasn't your first move, but how was it like picking up and moving amongst doing a new job and a new practice, having a family? What was that experience like? Yeah. You know, like you said, it wasn't the first time I had done it. So that, (laughs) that part kind of seemed like old hat, like, oh, you know, we'll move somewhere else and, you know, kind of move our family and, and do all of that. But This one was different because of the size. You know, Ashland's a town of about 30,000 people. 
um, you know, that's by far the smallest place I've ever lived. Um, you know, when I moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, there were roughly 150,000 people there. And I thought it was tiny. I thought, man, this is a small place to live. So that part was, you know, took some getting used to. It was different. But what most attracted me to this area was not only the size, you know, I liked, I liked how, you know, that it was smaller, but what I really found intriguing was the level of competition that I was going to have to compete with as far as dentistry was concerned. Um, you know, when I moved here, I was 40 years old and I was the youngest dentist in town by a decade, if not, if not more. Um, you know, the majority of the practitioners here in this area were in their mid sixties or, or older. Um, and so this made a lot of sense to me as a younger dentist that not only were, you know, the, the ratio of people to dentists was favorable, but on top of that, if I looked ahead and, you know, the next five, 10 years, it was going to become even more favorable for me because there were going to be guys retiring and, you know, this, like many rural areas, is not a hotbed for, you know, dentists to run in, you know, run out and practice in. And so I knew these guys were going to have a tough time selling their practices if they could. Um, you know, in rural areas like this, there's a lot of dentists who just close their doors. They get to retirement age and they say, I don't want to do this anymore. They announce their retirement and they lock the door that day and that's the end of it. They don't sell their patients. They don't sell their practice. They, you know, it just kind of closes. I, I had never experienced that before in a big city. That's, that's not a thing. Everybody sells their practices, but in these rural communities, that's, that's a real problem. And so from my standpoint, you know, it made a lot of sense again, from a competition standpoint, that this would be a favorable place for me. Yeah, you say a small town. The place where I'm working has a population of 2,000. That is small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the where I'll be living is like a 30-minute drive, and it's around 30,000, 40,000 people. But still, yeah, it's tiny, so I can um, understand what you're saying about small communities and everything. Is there anything other than, I guess, the way that it makes sense as a business to have less competition that you like? Like about being in a rural area now? You know, there's a, there's a handful of things that I have enjoyed about it. I've enjoyed being a part of a community. Um, you know, that's, that's something that gets lost in a big city. Um, I've got five kids, um, you know, from ages 19 down to 10. Um, and so I'm pretty heavily involved in my kids, um, extracurricular activities, um, you know, I've, I've got sons that play football and basketball and baseball. I've got daughters that swim and play tennis, um, you know, all sorts of orchestra, concerts, choirs, things like that. But, you know, if we, and I'll use this as an example, if I, you know, I sponsor or I'm one of the sponsors of the football team for our high school. Um, but I'm the only dentist that sponsors that football team. You know, I've lived in areas where you go to the football game on Friday night and you'll see 10 dentists have banners, you know, all around the track. I mean, that's that's white noise to people. It's, oh, look, there's another dentist there. They don't pay attention to it. It's It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't compute, doesn't add up. But for me, you know, I'm the only one that's there. I'm the only one that does that in this area. Um, 
And so it's, you know, it's rewarding to be a part of a community for people to see you there. They know who you are. Um, not to say that I'm a big deal. It's not what I'm saying, but you know, it's a, you, again, you're part of that community. You contribute and, and what you contribute makes a difference to that community. Um, so that has been enjoyable to me. That's not something that I had had experienced anywhere else that I'd practiced. Um, again, when you're practicing in heavily, comp, you know, heavily populated, heavy competition areas, you know, you're just like everybody else. You're just one in the crowd. Um, and that's not always the case in a rural community. It, you know, it's funny. You mentioned you, you practice in a small, you know, 2000 town people. When, when I mention rural dentistry to people, I think that's what they think. They think, one stoplight, subway, that's your town. So these are the people that I have to draw from. Really, when I talk about rural dentistry, to me, again, it's a it's a numbers game. It's a matter of competition. If you could find an area that had 100,000 people and only had three dentists, that's a rural dental community. Now, to be clear, that doesn't exist, to my knowledge, because if there's that many people, there's way more dentists than that. But that's kind of where I come from when I talk about, you know, rural. I mean, my community is isolated. You know, I'm two hours south of Columbus. I'm about two hours southeast of Cincinnati. Those are my two closest big cities. You know, I'm about an hour and a half straight east of Lexington, Kentucky. So those are kind of the, uh, you know, the big metropolises where I live or where you go if you want to go to Costco, for example, or whatever. So... You know, it, sometimes it's geographic that you're rural, that you're in an isolated spot. And but more what I have come to find is that I'm I'm looking at a competition number. I'm looking at, you know, how many dentists are there to how many people are there. And you could be in an isolated spot that has way too many dentists there. That's you see that all over the place, too. And as new grads that aren't going to buy yet, we're going in as associates we don't necessarily care. It doesn't affect us how profitable the business is, how much other competition there is, except maybe we don't have patients on our schedule if there's too much competition. Is there anything else that you think should be drawing these new grads to consider communities with less dentists and maybe somewhere they didn't think they would move to? Oh, totally. So this past September, I went and lectured at University of Kentucky and at University of Louisville. And uh, in both of those opportunities, you know, I asked the students, you know, how much how much debt are you coming out of dental school with? And I heard numbers from 350, 450. I've heard as high as 650. I mean, these are, you know, this is an astronomical amount of debt to go into to do what it is that we do. Um, and so on top of that, my kind of pitch to them was, you know, when I got into dental school, there were no dental schools in Arizona. There were no dental schools in Nevada. There were no dental schools in Utah. Utah has two, Arizona has two, and Nevada now has one. The state of Kentucky is getting its third dental school, the University of Pikeville, starting in 2025. And almost every single dental school has increased their class size. So we've got more schools. They're graduating more dentists at the schools that already exist. We're coming out with more debt than ever before, yet everybody's running and practicing in the same places. This makes it difficult. You know, it makes it difficult to pay back that debt. It makes it difficult to make a living when your competition level is so high. I agree with you. They don't have to worry about, you know, running the business and marketing and, and doing all of that. But it still matters if you have enough patients to see. It's still, you know, if you, when you're, 
income is based on how much you do, if you're not doing a lot because there's not enough patients there, it's going to affect you big time and real quick. You know, I, I get on Facebook and I'm a member of a couple of different groups on Facebook and I constantly see posts from younger dentists saying, you know, I'm I'm finishing my trial period or I'm ending my, you know, guaranteed money period. My schedule's not busy. You know, I don't have anything to do. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make enough money doing this. And I mean, listen, rural communities have dentistry coming out their ears. At least I do. Um, and I think I think that's pretty common among most of the rural communities is that it's it's a supply and demand game. In big cities, the patients are the ones who are in demand. In rural areas like mine, I'm the one who's in demand. The dentist is the one who's in demand. I'm the one that's that's tough to get in and see, you know, where people have to wait two months to get in because I'm too busy. I can't see everybody. That's a situation where somebody can come in and have a busy schedule instantaneously. Um, and not only that, but repetitions matter. It matters. The more work you do, the better you get at doing this. And if you're not getting enough reps, that makes it tough. You know, it makes it tough money-wise and it makes it tough skill-wise to get where you want to get to. That's kind of my plea here to younger dentists. And listen, this took me a decade to figure out. So I'm no genius. I mean, I, I practiced for 10 years before I realized, you know, this big city thing isn't working. And unfortunately, it's a problem that's getting worse. It's not getting better, in my opinion. Yeah, that's I totally am on your side with all that. Hence why I'm going to be an associate in a very small community, but so many patients, patients coming from other towns, obviously, and all that. And I even have another classmate friend doing the same, about 40 minutes the other direction, also rural Southwest Michigan. So, and it seems like, like the dentists are so happy that we want to come there. They want to teach you. They have the patience. They have everything we say we want. You just have to be willing to go out and do it. Well, and they're not glamorous places to live. I mean, they're, you know, they're just not. And, you know, some people will say, well, I'll live in such and such place and I'll commute. I mean, you can do that. That's fine. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I enjoy being part of the community. You know, I enjoy living and practicing where I live. Um, so I, I think you lose a lot of that when you're doing the commuting thing, but I, I agree with you. I, I think that everybody says this is what they want yet. So few seek this out and take advantage of these opportunities. They, you know, the other side to this coin that, you know, is a real, I'm not going to say a problem, but is, is a reality right now is that before too long, if you have to work in an urban environment, you're going to be working for a DSO. There are very, very few private practices like ones that I have where you're a solo doc. It's, you know, you're working in a practice. Those are starting to go away, especially in the big cities, because people who own practices there, they're not selling them to younger dentists. They're selling them to DSOs because the DSOs will pay them more than what I could go and get financing for you. Anybody as a solo practitioner can go and finance it for. And so pretty soon in these urban environments, you're always working for somebody else with really no opportunity to buy it, you know, with no opportunity to make it your own. You're just an employee. And I don't believe that the vast majority of us that got into this did this to work for somebody else for the next 40 years. It's just 
you know, that's not what we got into it for it. 90% of dental students say that they want to own their own practice. And I believe them that they do, but then they don't seek out those opportunities to do that. They go and, you know, work for somebody else and sign a contract and do that. I get that you're using it to get up to speed and and I, I can appreciate that. But then you, two years later, you get, you know, three years later, whatever your contract is, then what do you do? You find yourself in the same situation you found yourself in right out of school. Um, and it's becoming increasingly difficult. The other part of that that I, you know, that I don't think people think about is that when you're working for a DSO, you're most more times than not, you're working evenings, you're working weekends. You're not working Monday through Thursday, eight to five. You know, you're working a lot of hours. Because that's how they differentiate themselves. If it's if you're the same as everybody else, there's one of two things you can do. You either become more available, why well, open up more than when other people do, and then everybody else does that, or you become the cheapest game in town. Well, I'm the cheapest dentist, so come and see me because you know you won't have to spend as much money. Then everybody does the same thing, and then what? You know, they're all staring at each other doing the same thing, fighting over five new patients a month. It's not it's not feasible. It's not sustainable. At least that's been my experience. And I know you moved to Kentucky because you were purchasing that practice. Did you work with a broker or how did you do all these different offices you were considering? I did find it through a broker. Um, You know, if I'm being honest, I did not have a lot of good luck with brokers. Um, In the past, I find that most brokers were especially now, you know, they have the DSOs on speed dial. So, I mean, if a practice is becoming, it becomes available, they're going to instantly call the person that they know wants to buy it and has the money to buy it. So people, again, like myself, a solo practitioner who's looking to buy a practice. I mean, I, if I'm being honest, I think they kind of humor us and let us look at it, but they know that they're not selling it to us. They're going to sell it to, you know, such and such, you know, DSO who they know is going to pay, um, and it's going to close quickly and and gobble up that practice. That was my experience in North Carolina. That's why I didn't stay there. Every practice I looked at, there was somebody right behind me with deeper pockets that was buying that practice. And I was just, I don't know, like I said, I guess they were humoring me. That's what it felt like. Um, so, you know, the brokers have kind of gone that way as well. Um, that being said, you know, it's, you have to put in a lot of work if you want, you know, to be honest, if you want to find a rural practice, you almost, you know, I talked to a kid that was in uh, at Louisville and he had mentioned wanting to go back to Columbus. And I said, listen, I said, I don't mean to burst your bubble here. I said, but there's a dental school there in Columbus that's churning out dentists every year. I said, you do know that. I said, there's a lot of dentists in Columbus. And he said, well, yeah, but I might be able to drive, you know, like a half an hour outside of Columbus. I said, that's too easy. I said, everybody else is already doing that. That's an easy commute. Anybody will do that. I said, if I were you, I would take a map, draw a big line around Columbus as far out as you're comfortable going. I said, and then double it. And that's where you should look because nobody's going to want to do that. That's where practices are that nobody wants to work. Um, You know, it's, you have to do your homework. You have to look and see, here's, here's an area that I like. How many dentists are there? I mean, again, you could have a quote unquote rural area that's got too many dentists. They say, you know, there's not, there's, there's too many people here. There's not enough people here to sustain this many dentists. I need to go find somewhere else. 
And it's not, you know, I, you know, you mentioned, you know, Kentucky, cause you might've driven through it once. That's about all I knew about it too. I mean, I'm not from here. I've never lived here. So to pick up and move to an area that it was completely new to me that I'd never even laid eyes on is not comfortable by any means. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was willing to take a pretty big swing for to have some type of financial security and at least have some type of, you know, financial future in dentistry because what I was doing wasn't working. And as so that's how you found for your practice you were going to purchase. For us coming out looking for jobs specifically, I myself obviously just went through that process. So I know there's a lot of different like online postings, there's the state's dental associations, there's Facebook groups, there's different like recruiting websites that practices can post on. But do you have any other ways that you recommend people look for getting jobs in these areas, especially if it might be some middle-aged older doctor that maybe would love help, but they're too busy because there's so many patients. They're not even thinking about spending time interviewing, recruiting people. They're just trying to keep up with their day-to-day. So how would we find them if they're not actively posting? You know, that's a great question because, I mean, that is the way it goes. You know, I mean, I since I've moved here, I've actually purchased two other practices. So I currently have three. And between the three, I have one associate and myself. That's it. And so I work in my original practice three days a week. I work at my second practice that I purchased two days a week. And my third one, the seller has agreed to stay on as an associate until I can find a replacement or I'd, or I'd, or I'd have three practices with just myself. Um, so it is difficult. It is difficult for, you know, the owners, the guys who have to, you know, produce everything and then, you know, try to run everything on top of that. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, this is another piece of the puzzle that I would love to be able to solve. So I have a website, it's www.ruralpractices.com. And it's a site where I've been posting just blog articles and some podcast interviews like the one I'm doing tonight. Um, just about my, you know, kind of my experience, my thoughts on rural dentistry and why this is something that I think a lot of dentists should strongly consider. Um, and I would love to get to a point where I could reach out to some of these rural doctors and say, listen, you know, I've got people looking on this site. They're interested in rural dentistry. If you're looking to sell your practice, you know, this might be a spot where you can list your practice and people who are kind of prepared, if you will, mentally to to make that jump to a rural opportunity, you know, this is kind of what they're looking for. Not so much just looking at any broker who's listing everything under the sun and seeing what they can find. But I agree with you. It's difficult. It's difficult because while you hear that these are the most, I don't want to say most sought after, because if they were the most sought after, then, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. But every broker, every recruiter, everybody you talk to will say, oh, the, the rural guys make a ton of money. You know, those guys are killing it out there. They're crazy busy. They turn away patients. They don't take any insurance. They're all fee for service. And a lot of that is true. Um, but their opportunity, they're, they're difficult. They're difficult sales. They're difficult for brokers to try to convince younger dentists to go to. And they're going to have a much easier time saying, hey, why don't you go to Phoenix? And they're like, yeah, I'll go to Phoenix. I mean, that's easy. And so that's what they promote. That's what they do because that's their transaction. That's the least amount of work for them. 
for them to try to list my practice and sell my practice on some to somebody is a ton of work for them. And it's usually not worth the amount of money that they're getting, at least in their minds. So from my standpoint, as looking for associates, I figured out that I was going to have to do this. Nobody was going to look for me. I was going to have to figure out how to find associates. You know, hence the website, hence the podcasts. You know, I'm trying to get this word out because not only do I need help, but I'm not, you know, I'm not unique. There's doctors like me all over this country that are looking for help. And they don't, whether they don't know where to find it or nobody knows where to find them, that's that's the disconnect that we have right now. Totally agree. And I mean, I think about, again, this tiny town where I'm going to be working and when you're thinking about, okay, where am I going to work? How am I going to find a job? The first thing we were saying you need to do is figure out general location and then start looking of what dentists are in that area and then expanding from there. But even then, I never probably would have found or thought of this practice otherwise. And if I didn't get connected with the practice, meet the doctor, talk to the doctor, get to know that they're really cool and they're really happy and life is good there. That made me go out there, spend a weekend, drive around the town, see where I would be living, go to the local places and see like, is this a place I would be happy? And then figuring out that I would be. And then it seemed like it's all going to be great. And I'm really excited about the opportunity. But I think a lot of people are either it's hard for them to make a trip out to these communities, especially if it's across the country. For me, it's a three-hour drive. It wasn't crazy to make a long weekend out of it. But if you're going from California to Kentucky and you're a student, that's a little bit harder to do. But I think that's the biggest thing to like go see the community, see the office, spend the day there, spend the weekend in town, just act like you're living there and see if you're comfortable and see if it's a place you could be happy, I think is important for people that are so skeptical because if you've never gone then how would you know oh it's true and you know it's it's, i've racked my brain trying to think of another industry that does what we do and i can't think of one and and when i say that it's this behavior of well i want to live in southern california so i'm just going to go there and that's where i'll get a job nobody else does that but us, you know, again, I've lived all over the country and invariably everywhere I go, you know, I meet people and I, you know, what brought you here? Unless they're from there and, you know, say, oh, I grew up here. Oh, okay. But there's plenty of transplants everywhere you go, especially in big cities. So you ask, you know, why, why are you living here? Oh, I work for such and such. They transferred me here. Or I got a job working for this company, you know, and this is where we're headquartered. So I live here now. Every other industry on the planet goes where the work is. We don't. We go, I want to live here. So I'm going to go there and I just hope there's enough work for me. That doesn't make sense to me. And I did it. I did it for a decade. Ooh, I want to live here. So I'll go there and live there and there'll be enough work. And there's not. Like it matters. It matters that there's a dentist on every corner or five dentists on every corner. There isn't enough work in a lot of places where people think that they want to live. And so you're right. It's difficult for them to, A, you know, picture themselves picking up and moving to a state they've never been to because they want, they're sick of doing what they're doing. Um, and I think, again, that's the disconnect that we're, that I'm trying to bridge the gap between of you don't have enough work to do in, you know, Miami, you don't have enough work to do in, I mean, even Louisville, Cincinnati, even cities that aren't considered quote unquote, big cities that you think of when you think of big cities, there's still saturated markets there too. And so you're right. It is, uh, that is the difficult part is convincing people to, you know, really give these places a look. Like you need to consider, you know, the amount of money that they're, you know, that they're producing 
and what that looks like to you. The other piece that I don't think people pay a lot of attention to is that it's cheaper to live in rural communities. It just is. When I moved from Northern Colorado to Kentucky, I cut my mortgage in half for the same size house. That's thousands of dollars a month that I don't have to make to, you know, pay to live there. It's cheaper to live in rural communities. So not only in many cases can you make more money and live for cheaper and basically give yourself a, you know, a 50, 100% raise or worst case scenario, you make the same amount of money, but it's cheaper to live there. Or guess what? You can make less money, work less, and still live comfortably because it's cheaper to live there. That's a big deal. Um, And again, you know, you deal without some of the amenities, you deal without some of the stuff that you're quote unquote used to, but financial security feels pretty good. You know, I can do without a target. I don't have a target in town. Heaven forbid, you know, get crazy. But, you know, it makes a big difference. I know. When I was starting to realize that rural was the right fit I wanted to go for, I was like, where's the nearest Target? Where's the nearest Starbucks? I'm like, <laughs> right. okay, it's it's fine. It'll be okay. Yeah. But um, We'll survive. Yeah. it's. I think really like the secret sauce to it all is like understanding that these are great, usually private offices, less work hours, yet more money, lower bills. You can use that time and money that you wouldn't have had elsewhere to do so many things if you want to travel, if you want to go XYZ places that you would like to be spending time in if you were living. But if you live in downtown Chicago and you work every Saturday and you work every evening, are you even enjoying downtown Chicago? If you're stressed about money and can't go out and have fun, why not just for me take a long weekend there? Because I don't work Friday, Saturday, Sunday every week. And I think people just have to broaden their perspectives a little better the way they look at things. I totally agree. And, and I think before too long, they're going to be forced to, whether they like it or not. You know, I think we've gotten along for a decent amount of time with, you know, just kind of making it work wherever it is you want to live. But again, with the number of dentists that are graduating and, you know, this idea of, Oh, well, there's so many dentists that are retiring they're not retiring. And part of this is because they can't financially. So they keep working. You know, I'm sure COVID put a dent in a lot of uh, retirement plans of people that thought they were going to be able to retire and now can't. So now you've got dentists that are working for longer. These are practices are now not available to incoming associates or newer grads. And couple that with the DSOs buying up practices left and right. Where are the opportunities? You know, these rural communities, the DSOs will get to the rural communities before too long, but it's kind of the last bastion. Like this, this is like the last frontier of practices that are available to people to purchase and, and run as their own before, you know, the DSOs own everything. And I don't mean to be, you know, I don't mean to sound like a, uh, you know, the, the world, the sky is falling. It's the end of the world situation, but this is what's going on. This is not a secret. You know, the, the DSOs are real. And they're buying up practices faster than we can blink. Definitely. And I mean, we see it as students. They, they're trying really hard to get us to work for them. And you have to wonder, why do they have to try so hard? Something you think about sometimes. But 
<laughs> and they did they, they do they you know they make a lot of promises you know they're, they're you're going to make a ton of money and you might you might make good money working for a dso i'm not saying that that's not possible but it doesn't come with the trade you know it doesn't come with the trade-off you're like i said you're working weekends you're working nights you're working long hours and you know i, I didn't get into this to work on the weekend that never even crossed my mind that you know oh yeah i'll be a dentist i can work on saturdays how awesome is that <laughs> There's no way. That's not a, never crossed my mind that that was a possibility. And I did that for seven years where I worked nights, worked 12 hour days, worked on Saturdays. So I know, I know what that looks like. You know, I'm not, I'm not just saying it because I, I know people have done it. I did it. I did that for a long time. So, you know, that's, that's really the challenge that younger dentists have right now is, yeah, you can come out of school and get a job at a DSO. That's easy. Anybody can do that. But, you know, are you are you looking to do that for the next 30 years? I doubt it. And so knowing that you don't have an opportunity to buy into that and you're going to have to go somewhere else once you've decided that's enough for you, then where is that next step? And, you know, as I've gone on podcasts, I've, you know, I've had people reach out to me through my website. I mean, I talked to three dentists last week that are in that same and they're all over the country. I don't really, you know, and the question is the same thing. I don't really know where to go from here. I don't want to keep doing this, but I don't, I don't really know what to do next. And that's, that's tough. That's a tough place to be in. So we've covered a lot of good, I guess, anecdotes from your life and just advice and things for people to think about if they haven't considered rural dentistry. Do you have any closing thoughts or words of wisdom you want to leave to the soon-to-be dentists, which is a lot of my audience? <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate you giving me the platform. Like I said, I, I mean, I, it's something that I'm very passionate about because I, I've lived it. And, you know, I would hate to see other people take a decade to figure out what it, you know, it took me a decade to figure out because it didn't come without a lot of headache and a lot of heartache for sure. Um, you know, my only plea would be to, you know, really consider it. I mean, you, everybody should look at a couple of rural opportunities before deciding to pull the trigger on that next contract, because there are opportunities where people are needed. There's there are opportunities where, you know, you'll get the reps, you can make good money. They're cheaper places to live. There's really not a lot of downside to it. That's been my experience. Um, you know, again, I, I think there's two giant misconceptions about rural dentistry. One is that every rural dentist is a Medicaid clinic and they're just, you know, pulling teeth all day and they're not making any money. That's not true. Um, and the second one is that rural patients can't pay for dentistry. And that also is absolutely not true. You know, if this if a rural community is cheaper for me to live in, it's cheaper for everybody to live in. You'd be shocked how much discretionary income are in rural communities because they don't have a lot of things to spend their money on, if we're being honest. Um, and so, you know, the, the analogy that I use is that, you know, I place implants. Um, I've placed probably twice as many implants in the four years that I've practiced in Kentucky than in the previous seven years in Colorado combined. So there's, there's opportunities to do whatever kind of dentistry you want to do. There's patients that are willing to pay for it. And, you know, when you're in a situation where you as the dentist are the one who's in demand, that's the goods. That's what you want to look for. If if anybody listening to this has any questions, would you know, would like to reach out and talk about it, by all means, please go on my website, ruralpractices.com. 
you know, check out some of the articles, listen to some of the, you know, the uh, podcast interviews that I've done. You know, you can reach out, send me a message through the website. I'll get back to you quickly. I mean, I, like I said, I'm happy to get on the phone and talk about it and see, you know, kind of troubleshoot and talk through some of this stuff because it's, it's coming. It's something that they should strongly consider. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.